We are back on a Tuesday. God, that was probably terrible in a Zoom machine, especially with me on having a mic, which by the way, people, I think within the next month or so, that will be changing uh, with the way we've done some things behind the scenes. Uh, Be able to get me a mic and where Peyton and I both sound nice and pretty and maybe we can throw Matt a bone as well and get him one. And make them also nice and pretty on the Zoom machine. It's a beautiful Tuesday, Peyton Guthrie. It's been 70 degrees at least 10 times in the last 15 days. I'm saying that for no reason at all uh, here in the great state of Oklahoma. And I hope you had a great weekend because uh, this is the first weekend we didn't have a, a podcast in, a, what, two, three, four, five weeks. You get, uh, you get anything done around the house? Get everything set up there? Oh, I was uh... – having a good time. I was uh, helping a friend dog sitting for a friend. They were running the Dallas marathon and they needed someone to watch their pup. Who's like, uh, I don't know, eight weeks old or something like that. So it needs some constant attention. So I spent most of my uh, entire weekend is chasing this little mini uh, golden doodle around the house, making sure it didn't tear up uh, what, what little furniture I have, making sure that thing didn't get into it too much. Gotta love house sitting, especially dog sitting. It's one of, one of my favorites. This is public, and I do want to remind you guys that this for again, we got about a couple more weeks, three more weeks of this. If you guys go to uh, Anytime Fitness in Oklahoma City, the one at 519 Northwest 23rd Street, you go there, you want to get your gym membership, you're going to make some New Year's resolutions, you're going to tell yourself that you're going to go work out every day. I did that two weeks ago, and then I kicked a football, and I haven't been able to move my right leg since. But you're going to want to go – if you want to go do that, you want to get your uh, gym membership ahead of 2022, go to the Anytime Fitness, 519 Northwest 23rd Street. Make sure to mention through the keyhole, Brady Trantham, Matt Burton, Keegan Renault, or Peyton Guthrie. I would have brought Matt Burton in by now, but he told me not to do that because he's doing something else. Um, So we'll just let him join in whenever he is ready to go. Uh, Mr. Peyton Guthrie. It's uh, less than we got 12 hours. Now about 11 hours until uh, college football Christmas, you knucklehead. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know Matt's working. He's working on some uh, high-level detailed stuff for us in, in, in the back scenes, trying to bump up our production quality. I really hope he can add in some like the night before Christmas type music right here uh, <laughs> before we start talking about this. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this is, this is it now. This is the biggest tomorrow is the 15th is the biggest day uh, for college football programs. to a certain degree um, in, in our modern day, every, ever since the February, um, you know, uh, signing day has been basically neutered. Uh, but today, tomorrow will be the day that kind of sets the course for OU in the next two to three years. I mean, it's a transition class. And I wrote in a Monday piece, usually trans transition classes are in the mid twenties, high twenties, depending on what type of program you are or how smooth of a coaching transition that was. Um, I mean, OU right now on 24 seven sitting at ninth. I mean, I do expect them to fall back down probably back closer to 15th after tomorrow as teams get some more recruits and everything. I mean, I, I, there's just not as many pieces on the board for OU to get on day one um, with just a little time, but Grant being able to kind of rally the troops and get them all the way back up to ninth in a week's time is a testament to, to OU and, and potentially hopefully, hopefully so succeeds so it won't be this, this difficult moving forward because these guys all need to be pretty good starters by year three uh, once they enter the program. It has been interesting, especially when you add in the idea that Oklahoma's had coaches. Uh, officially announced, by the way, because we recorded a podcast 24 hours after Jeff Levy was offering players and hadn't been announced as Oklahoma's head coach yet, or not head coach, offensive coordinator quite yet. So let's dive into there first. Let's recap some things. Jeff Levy officially hired as the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, they released – they released statements, select statements to the media that asked for 
a deeper question on Jeff Levy and his involvement at Baylor. I'm sure when he's back from Ole Miss, which he is coaching Ole Miss through the bowl game um, down there in Oxford. Good for him. Actually kind of like that. Two ways. Uh, Peyton, I'll let you kind of comment on this in just a second. Um, one, it does show that he's committed to Matt Corral. He's committed to those guys on offense, and I think that speaks volumes to him. Um, two, he is going to get a look at Dave Aranda's defense, which is a, a weird co-plot of this whole thing, is that he's going to get a one-year trial run at Dave Aranda, who has given anybody and everybody fits in the Big 12 outside of somehow Iowa State and Waco last year. But regardless of that, um, the rest of the offensive staff was retained, Peyton. So the offensive staff is intact. You got mm-hmm. Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator. Kel Gundy is going to be the wide receivers coach. Jaden Gibson uh, mentioned the night that that was the guy that recruited him the most. Uh, Bill Beatenbow back on the offensive line. DeMarco Murray at running backs. Joe John Finley at tight ends. How we feel about – it's about as good as, I, as you could have imagined this offensive staff being in. It's a staff – Offensively, now granted, Brent Venables has run the defense. Um, I'm glad that he told us without telling us that. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, this offensive staff, when you kind of look at the pieces right now, is better than the defensive staff. I think the offensive staff is as best as offensive staff they could have hired out of all the former OU players and slash coaches they could have gotten. Uh, and, th- and that's not meant to be a, a, a shot or anything, but it is just a little crazy that basically everyone either played at OU or coached at OU or GA at OU at some point in time. Uh, there are some talk of Lold Hoy uh, coming back as a GA. As a, I mean, not GA, the analyst of some sort. Uh, so, I mean, OU truly is bringing home everybody to make sure that OU stays fine the rest of the way forward. Um, so, I mean, some of the stuff I'm looking forward to, Keegan, I know you're breaking it down. Um, and have to a certain degree, especially if you guys are following Kiki on Twitter, showing like different clips of the RPOs and stuff like that. It has me a, a pretty heavy, like a flashback to 2008. Now, obviously they weren't running the, the, the RPOs in that way, but the pace of everything, how quickly everybody moves, how there's a lot of, of flexible positions and things like that. So I think we may be seeing that type of offense kind of brought into the future uh, to a certain degree. Um, if they're kind of moving at that warp speed, that fast speed, um, which I'm always a big fan of. OU always does seems to do better when they move quick instead of waiting and waiting. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of excited about that. Keegan, Keegan, do you think that'll be an issue for OU moving forward? I mean, Lincoln really wasn't a pace, a pace uh, OC. No, he wasn't, especially as he got more and more accustomed to, uh, I think Bob probably told him to slow down. And because Mike needed as much help as he possibly could. Um, but at the same time, I think that Lincoln over time, I think valued as getting his quarterback as much time off the play clock to dissect everything that was happening pre-snap because I mean, every offense is driven pre-snap stuff, Peyton, but it seemed like Oklahoma Lincoln Riley did a really good job giving every quarterback great indicators of what was to come whether it was motion, whether it was moving formations, you know, making people used to make fun of the Josh Heupel. What was it? The Meerkat offense. The Meerkat offense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the same time, we're going to dive deeper into the Levy offense on Thursday after these guys sign, how some of these guys fit in, uh, how Jeff Levy can, you know, use and get used to and build an offense around the personnel that he has right now at Oklahoma which is a little bit different than what he's had over the last couple of years. Uh, we'll yeah. dive into it a little bit more there, as well as our first uh, Jeff Levy video is broken down up on patreon.com slash through the keyhole. You can get that there where I dive completely into their matchup against Arkansas, a three, three, five flyover. I'm going to, Ian's, I'm going to, Ian's going to have to start giving, I'm going to have to start paying royalties every time I use that, but it's so damn good at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, he played a, he played a big 12 defense in Arkansas last year. Right. Like that's that's what Barry Odom runs defensively. And they had a really, really good day uh, against an Arkansas defense that did give some people problems that didn't at other times of the year didn't. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, man. Like. I, I was telling you before I came on, like there are times when, you know, everything hit the fan for Ole Miss offensively. 
And it kind of went full Bryles gimmick, you know, gimmicky, you know, a bunch of screens and veer and shoot. And But there's times in that Arkansas game, whenever you'll watch it, Peyton, where there is some very innovative NFL translatable pass concepts. It's not just, you know, whenever, you know, stuff hits, when shit hit the fan, I'll just say it like that. There you go. When yeah. shit hit the fan, they all they did was run a bunch of mesh, a bunch of four vert and a bunch of just quick slants and stuff like that. Just like what you saw out of the Baylor offense from 2008 to 2016. Uh, the Brun game's more innovative. It's fun. Um, but like I said, we'll take a deeper dive. I want to watch some more games tomorrow, get a better feel for it before I, before I dive completely into it. Because the two games I watched were two pretty good football games. Um, so I want to see them against better talent. But to your point, to what you're asking, I think Jeff Levy can mesh well with this offensive staff. I think that when you add in all mm-hmm. the minds together, um, Bill Beatonbow with Kale Gundy, because like I don't see Kale Gundy letting it get to a point, Peyton, where they're RPOing on every play, right? Like where they're running a screen or a bubble screen, you know, they're lining the receivers up on the other sidelines, uh, opposite of each other, just super wide. You know, like I, I don't see them, I don't, I don't see this offensive staff allowing Jeff Levy to get there. Um, especially with Beaton Bow and especially with Kale Gundy with as much as he's seen. But I do, I will say this a lot like Lincoln, you know, you don't, you can't say this for every offensive coordinator out there, Peyton. He has an answer. What it seems like he has an answer for every coverage and every defensive front that they've played. And that speaks. And again, if you can just accomplish that, if you can have answers for what defenses are doing against you, no matter what they run, I think you can have a lot of success and it allows you to have some, Oh, I don't know. Like it, it would allows you to have like, more success, like second half, make adjustments, do things like that. Because I know a lot of people look at the 21 season and they're like, Lincoln, everybody caught up to him. Everybody caught yeah. up to Lincoln. And I'm yeah. like, guys, we have seven years of football to be able to come back and point to and be like, are we sure someone's figured this guy out quite yet? But at the same well, time, he, he got figured out because he wasn't, throwing counter punches. I mean, it, it's kind of a, an unknown secret to a certain degree that, I mean, his, his play calling tendencies were, were, you know, were studying analyzed and, you know, a lot of opposing coaches bought that stuff as, as you should do, you need to figure out it, you know, just like if you're facing a pitcher, what is he going to do at, you know, at this, at this pitch count or whatever, I don't watch baseball, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> that, that stuff was developed. And it's like, Hey, this is what Lincoln Riley wants to do. And when leading by seven in the third quarter and this, this type of formation. And um, apparently the, the hot news or the rumor or the, you know, unspoken secret about it all is that Lincoln just played directly into every one of those tendencies, never swayed off of them this entire year. So hearing that just makes me think yeah he just was completely checked out to a certain degree because we've seen lincoln do something we're like why is he doing this this makes no sense and then two games later he's showing that look but he's hitting you with counter punches the entire game and there's nothing you could do about it but that just did not happen this year at all yeah he was it's so weird like think back back on it and just be like you know because you guys heard me say this it was like the iowa state game he was scheming guys open the baylor game he was still scheming guys open yeah, like there and the Oklahoma State game second half. We're gonna dive into that. I have went back and finally watched it. Uh, by the way, it took me a couple of weeks uh, to cool down from the end of the season. Uh, but at the same time, the second half there was pretty bad. He was it was clear that he had not game planned and watched enough tape um, because it wasn't like Oklahoma State did anything that they hadn't shown all year. Anyways, I I like this offensive staff. I I, I like whenever you add in the idea that. Brent Venables is kind of betting on himself and we're about to dive into it here in a second. Uh, when you added the fact that the deep, you know, the defensive staff's going to have a couple heavy hitters. I think Oklahoma fans hope they have a couple heavy hitters at defensive tackles coach, as well as the DBs coach um, or the corners, co- corners coach secondary. I will get into all that in here in just a second, but you have an offensive staff that you can rely upon. And when you add in to that, into the recruiting, you know, aspect of it, that should give people a lot of hope of what they could potentially do in the 23 class still. And I know the 22 class is offensive line wise is kind of falling through the ropes a little bit, but um, you know, I, I do think the continuity with this staff going into 23 is going to be really, really helpful, especially with, you know, DeMarco Murray and some of the inroads that he's made. And we're going to get into a couple guys he's involved with here in a bit. Yeah. I mean, how many, just, I mean, you mentioned recruiting a little bit. How, how, 
how many commits are you thinking OU is going to end up having out of just this class? Okay, so not looking I, at how many spots are available, but how many think right, they actually right, take right. out of high school? Well, I, I just want to like I so I added it all today. That was part of the stuff that I got done today. Um, there are like seventy nine scholarships with about seventeen guys, like to be determined in my head. Yeah, right. Yeah. So nice um, plus ten. Yeah. So I I mean. I think they could take anywhere from five to 10 more guys um, in this class. When you add Jaden Gibson, I think that was 16. I think they can yeah, get to 16 right now. I think they can get to 22, 25 and feel pretty good um, depending on how they want to use the portal. Um, is there, but the, my question becomes right. Like offensively, is there, you don't, you were talking about carrying dead weight, you know, eating yeah. you know, bad carbs and this and that, like, is there six more guys out there that you would go take right now? You know, like I, I don't know. That's the other side of the coin. Yeah. I, I think there's like, what, four? And I can't remember the names off the top of my head, guys. I, I, I'm sorry. But I think there's like four guys that I'm somewhat expecting OU to sign tomorrow. Uh, and some of those may have already gone um, uh, public as of this recording or just like before or today. Uh, so, But I'm expecting OU to maybe be about 18 to 20 commits total and then just pocket the rest of that stuff for portal stuff. I mean, OU's going to need it. Uh, or they just hold on to it and, you know, carry that over to 23. And like you said, 23 is the year they have to hit it out of the park. And with this staff coming through and Brent coming through, maybe they, maybe they're able to do that kind of running, uh, just trying to get like a running start to a certain degree. Okay. Let's go to the defense before we get to recruiting the defensive staff partially filled. Um, as I said, the defensive tackles coach, as well as the corners coach is not filled um, quite yet. Defensive end official Miguel Chavez, he played it. Clemson, I figured this out. I said this wrong on one of the last podcasts, Peyton. He did not play under Brent. He was there the year, the four years before Brent got there. But he yeah. returned as a defensive analyst, uh, quality, I think, grad assistant, and then it was a quality control coach and the defensive analyst. He's been with Brent, I believe, since 2017 or something along those lines. Some of those, I think that sounds, that sounds about right. And interesting. Like, I – I get the young energy he's trying to bring. He wants – looks like he – it's based off everything else that we're about to get into, mm-hmm. he fits a different age group relationship type kind of guy. Maybe Miguel Chavez is the uh, nice guy on the staff, on this defensive staff. Maybe that's what this is. Yeah, I think he's got – maybe he's looking for like an average age of the staff. You know, once he hired Ted Roof, he had to hire somebody a lot younger to kind of balance that stuff out. <laughs> um that's not a higher. I was the defensive side of the hires that they've made so far for, for the most part have been, as we have alluded to earlier, Oh, Brent's just going to be hands deep in the defense, which he should. It's his area of expertise. I wrote it on the article. I need your reaction to super hardcore on, on Ted. I was like, this sucks. This is a bad hire. Um, this is not going to be good. This is that he's just putting a dude in place to be a guy. Um, but Brent's going to be there. I, I hope he isn't the play caller. I hope he is fully being the head coach of a team. But my assumption is the first year he may be calling plays uh, defensively as well. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I need your reacted pretty bad. And I broke down all of his average S&P plus finishes and everything. He's only had one top 20 defense. He's been over. Um, that was uh, in 2012 in Penn State. He got so he wasn't, fired wasn't from Auburn after winning a national championship. It's rough. It's rough. But if the idea, like I wrote on the Monday post, is that Brent just wants a dude to do whatever he says and make sure stuff's being structured the way he wants as he's trying to be head coach for the rest of the team, but Brent's really doing all the defense, I guess I'm okay with it. I mean, OE was never going to hire – a huge hotshot defensive coordinator. Like I was kind of hoping I got Bates and then it's kind of like, Oh, there we go. Or, you know, a big time defensive line guy. Um, and then maybe as like a DC and like an honorary sense, cause Brent's really running it. <laughs> Instead they went for like a coach that's not going to instill a bunch, but maybe he was really good. Like the managerial stuff of making sure schemes are organized practices are running the way they need to be uh need to be ran and brent brent can trust them i I guess we have to trust brent's vision for the program moving forward just and i'm not overly excited about it to be honest with you okay let's dive into the other hire real quick before we dive into what you just talked about brandon hall uh 
guy from – I believe he's from the state of Oklahoma. I don't know that to be certain. He's got a lot of roots here. He's been a D.C. at Broken Arrow High School. He's been a D.C. at UCO. Uh, Peyton, he went to Jacksonville State and tore it up. They were really, really good during his mm-hmm. run there. Becomes the D.C. at Troy. I looked at some of the numbers today. Uh, we're, we'll stick to SP+. And I think <laughs> – We'll see what the metrics do. We'll see, we'll see what the metrics do next year. Uh, we may mm-hmm. have to just stick to that one as <laughs> the rest of time. But uh, Troy, in its first year, they lost five points in their rating on defense. It was horrendous, horrible. 2019, 2020, they improved by a touchdown defensively by seven points. Then in 2021, they regressed by two points. Again, their head coach, I want to mention this, the head coach got fired. He was an interim head coach for one game. So, again, when coaches get fired and there's turmoil and seasons like that, things can go awry. So, I I think that whenever – I've heard nothing but good things about him. He's got a special teams mm-hmm. background as well. Um, they don't have a designated special teams coach yet. So, um, that's probably a guy that's going to be helping out there. Uh, and he's a guy that – I think he's their – I'm going to say this. I think he's their Oklahoma guy. Right. Like when you looked on staff over the last couple of years, Peyton, they've always seemed to have a guy like ever since Mike Stoops and Bob ruined relationships in the 918. Like they've made sure to have a guy on staff that's got great roots in the state of Oklahoma. Brandon Hall is adored in Tulsa. I think this is your Oklahoma high. Yeah. I mean, oh, you desperately needs to get back in that northeastern part of the state. I mean, Oklahoma doesn't produce a ton of talent anyway. It just makes, it just didn't make any sense how, you know, at the end of Bob and, and, and Lincoln Riley to a certain degree, just did not have that Tulsa, um, you know, Jinx, uh, Owasso area opened up at all. I mean, it's in your state, they produce two dudes you could probably take every single year and feel really good about. And then they also produce, you know, a decent amount of guys you could bring in and say, hey, these are two deep guys or these are scout team guys. I mean, it just makes sense to have that opened up. And it's also cool, like this is the type of hire I was wanting OU to make across the board, <laughs> you know, bringing a guy who's been a defensive coordinator, he's running these plays, he knows what he's doing, and you're able to bring him in as a position coach. I mean, that's, it shows to the, the, the level of where OU is and like the type of program OU is, you know, other types of programs would have hired that guy as their defensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're like a uh, Oklahoma state or something like that, like a smaller program, you'd had to bring somebody in like that, but OU is at a certain level it can cultivate and bring in guys who have coordinator experiences at these smaller levels and bring them in as position coaches. I mean, that type of knowledge and type of wisdom and, you know, experience between, you know, Ted Roof, him, uh, Brent, that whole defensive culture, I think has a chance of being something put together. And it wasn't something that you saw under Grinch. I mean, you had a, a linebackers coach coaching cornerbacks and like they weren't all defensive coordinators before and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, those film rooms are going to be pretty in-depth and pretty intensive. Okay. So, as you mentioned a second ago, a lot of the hope, and I think it was an expectation for Brent Venables probably at some point, was for Todd Bates to be his defensive line, defensive tackles, defensive line coach uh, at Oklahoma. Peyton, he got a $260,000, $240,000 pay raise as well as, I believe, a co-DC title at Clemson. He is no longer coming. So Brent Venables has, you know, I'm not going to say no longer coming. Um, One, what about those invigorated uh, donors, Peyton? I guess that's not the case. They're not willing to bring out the checkbooks. They're not making any NIL money. There's no polls getting put together. Hell. OU's, OU's. Bunch of broke boys. I mean, uh, I can't remember who it was today, but someone on Twitter said, uh, OU is going to be staying until 25 because they can't afford to buy out. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is a day after we've shown that OU is the sixth highest revenue generating athletic department. Uh, so I don't know, not everything just works out the way you want to work out, I guess, but money's not one of them. I don't know who that leads for the defensive tackles coach, though. Jokingly, I want to say Jerry Montgomery, but he's a 3-4 guy. That doesn't work. Dyron Reynolds, you know, when you want to go back to another former guy that's been around here. Actually, I think that would do well. He's a a four-down guy, um, which would be pretty funny, him coming back. But he wants to be out at Stanford. So, 
right. DB's coach. This is where it does get interesting. We mentioned a second ago, Brandon Hall. He does coach safeties. I think that's what he's going to do at Oklahoma. Um, but they're going to go get another corners, you know, DB's coach. Um, three names that have been floated out there. Jamila Day at Georgia. Steve Klinkscale at Michigan, uh, who's having a, he's, he's having a pretty good run right now up there in Ann Arbor. And then Aaron Fletcher, an Oklahoma guy that's from Tulsa, um, that's at Missouri. Those are the three names that have been continued to be kind of floated out there, floated around. Um, all three, I think, would be good hires. I I don't know if Fletcher is as big of a heavy hitter as the other two would be, but that's more of the direct. If again, we have no names to work off of for the defensive line. I yeah. I feel better about the defensive back situation more than what the defensive line's looking because again, Miguel Chavez could be great. I I don't know. This is that's more Brent Venables betting on this on this guy more than anything. Um, but they got to go get a good defensive line coach. It looks like they've got good defensive back coaches potentially lined up. Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. And we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. I mean, it'd be nice. I mean, I'm I'm trying not to get too worried about it. And it's kind of hard for me to get super motivated to talk about the defensive line and defensive, the, the facts opening, stuff like that. I just have to, I'm just, I'm, I'm fully trying to let go embrace the vision that is Brent Venables. I mean, he's potentially trying to hire guys who are, in, who are in playoff runs right now. It's going to get done. It's going to take time. The 2022 class is going to be what it is. Um, so I'm trying not to rush too hardcore about it. Now the offensive stuff had to happen, had to happen quick and fast because you needed to keep Caleb. You, know, you needed to bring some of these dudes in. You're going to miss out on a 22, 2022 uh, quarterback. Uh, that kind of stuff had to happen. On the defense, they've got a little leeway. They've got some time. They can work through some stuff. Um, and, and this, I know we're not really used to it. I'm kind of bringing recruiting into it. It's, it's the most important thing in pro in college football. We're not we're not really used to it under Lincoln Riley, but I think February you're actually going to see some signings and stuff that's a little bit different than OU in, in recent past. So I'm totally fine with Brent taking his time, especially if it's grabbing some of these names you've talked about. I mean, the Michigan dude watching them play this year has just been fun. They just beat people up. You know, they're on the edges throwing, <laughs> you know, they, they took uh, all those beautiful route runners, first round wide receivers in Ohio state and just beat them up. And it's just great to see, you know, Grinch was trying to do that to a certain degree, being very grabby and very physical. It just didn't work out. Maybe the way Roy Manning was coaching them, they kept getting called for PI and everything. Uh, Michigan isn't a heavily flagged team off the top of my head. So that would be really interesting to kind of bring that in, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm excited about OU not being super reactionary and trying to get everything done right now. There's a couple of things that had to get done immediately after Lincoln went because like the game of Thrones aspect of everything, 
but you're set now. You're kind of steady. You're a little bit steady now. Take your time and make the correct, the right hires. You know, I mean, if you're rushing through this stuff just to get something, get somebody in the seat, you're going to mess up the program for three to four years. That's, that's, that's just tough business. Okay. So the next topic here before we dive into recruiting, Thad Turnipseed, an amazing character in college football, uh, a character behind the scenes in college football that has basically helped turn two programs into contenders. And jokingly, right, I want to mention the whole Clemson Blue Blood thing. That Turnipseed's a reason why they may be able to have sustained success out at Clemson and what they've done out there jokingly putting the blue blood conversation out there. Um, no, I, uh, I, he is, I, I want to spend some time here to talk about him because mm-hmm. one, I think people are a little mistaken on who's hiring him. A lot of people have attributed to Brent, but this is a Joe hire. This yeah. isn't, this isn't a Brent Venables hire. And like I said, the reason, like, I don't know that for a hundred percent fact, but if he, he's told reporters this, he's going to be a senior athletic director overseeing football. Those hires are not made by Brent Venables. No. And so this is, again, be so, made at the suggestion of Brent. <laughs> correct. Correct. Okay. So Joe Casiglione spent this summer after the SEC announcement, Peyton. And I think this is, I, you, I think you know this, and I, I don't know if this is well-known knowledge, but he went and traveled to a bunch of different schools. He tweeted about going to see Clemson after he hired Brent Venables, like back in August. That wasn't the only place that he had been. He had been at AM, he'd been at Clemson, he'd be at other places as well to go see what they've done from a facilities up, you know, what they have from a facility standpoint, what they have from a resources, nutrition, um, blah, 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 right? So he went and traveled all these other places, all the to all these places. So when he goes and hires Brent, I would imagine that he was intrigued by this turnip seed guide, anyways, because of everything that he's done for Clemson. So I think it's just very intriguing. And I think that's, it speaks and Peyton, you set this back to me perfectly that I think it does show two things before I throw it back to you. One, this doesn't mean Zach Selman's still not going to be the next athletic director at Oklahoma. Um, I think that's pretty set in stone. Uh, we'll see if, if when Josie retires, but I, I would not have bet the house kind of thing on that, but pretty damn close to bet the house on Zach Selman always being the next athletic director. But I think what this does, and you hit the nail on the head perfectly, Joe was probably a little pushy to the idea of Lincoln having autonomy and having a guy Mm -hmm. that works directly with Joe that does everything that Lincoln says. But I think you're right. I think it does show that Joe was willing to shake things up, that he was willing to admit that he doesn't have all of this figured out. And to admit that he needed some more oversight into the football side of things from someone that has been at programs that have poured millions of dollars into their football facilities and programs, he needed a guy like that. And props to him. Um, I think it takes a lot for a guy that is known as the best athletic director in college football, maybe one of the best athletic directors in the history of the sport and in college athletics, to be able to basically take a step back and say, I need help to get this football program SEC ready into the point where we can be there and compete and feel like we belong in the SEC. That turnip seed and that hire that they're making, I think speaks volumes to that. Yeah. The, the, the turnip seed hire is the one I I'm generally most curious about and, and most excited for the idea of OU football moving forward. Um, I, I, I interviewed a, Joe Goodman Jr., which you guys will be able to listen to on Sunday. Uh, he's a writer for AL.com, uh, an Auburn fan himself, and but covered Alabama a lot. He has a book out about Alabama, and I mentioned him to him, and I uh, mentioned turnip seed to Joe, and he just, he just started smiling and had a good face on, on it. He's like, that dude's just a cool dude. I mean, he's just – he knows how to talk to people. He knows how to get people who need to be in the room in the room. I mean, basically – if Brent has a problem or Brent has an idea that he wants done, turnip seed's going to get it done. That, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's one of those type of guys who maybe you really can't put your thumb on what it is exactly they do. <laughs> like, what do you do here? 
but it, it is kind of a guy like he's going to be the problem solver. I mean, he's going to be the one who says, Hey, we need new, new facilities. I'm like, hey, give me a week. I'll get you $5 million. You I mean, it seems like he's going to be that type of guy for OU moving forward. He did it at Bama when Saban first got in there and totally changed that program around and lined everything from top to bottom. He was hired in at the same time Brent Venables was hired in, I believe, at Clemson. Now, one of the podcasts I was talking about, you know, there's a clear timeline before Clem, before Brent and after Brent at Clemson, and you see how that team starts performing. The exact same time, Turnip Seed came in as well. So we, we may be getting the two dudes responsible for Clemson kind of rising up into the, in, into the upper echelon of college football to come back to OU and solidify OU again, you know, as one of those top, 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 top programs in college football. I mean, I think I know you kind of mentioned you've heard some stuff in, in the in the weeds about turnip seed. What you've heard seems to be uh, a little I'm not more crossing that. I'm not cro- I'm not crossing <laughs> that guy. There's no doubt. No doubt. I, I if I if that turnip seed walks in front of the street in front of me, I'm going the other direction. You're no crossing doubt. the street, getting the phone out, looking down. <laughs> yeah, not acknowledging him. No. Don't even want him to know I exist. No, I no, no, I do not at all. And People hear that. No, it's nothing terrible. I just, again, to what Peyton speaks about, what Peyton just spoke about a second ago, like the guy is able to get things done in terms of getting runny raised. We need this. We need that. If we want to be where we're at, you don't get that done if you don't have leverage. Yeah. So that turnip seed knows what he's doing. I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think it's great from, Brent Vittable's perspective, right? Because I think one of the main things you've heard me complain about with Lincoln was that they there was too much he had to take care of. And now he's put yeah. – if Brent's going to take care of the head coach and the defense <laughs> at the same time without acknowledging that title, um, if he's going to do that, then he needs to have as much responsibility delegated to other places. He's not going to have to worry about you know, we need better nutrition this paid. We need money to be fundraised for this. We need, yes. we need yeah. the, this, we need that. He, all he has to do is deal with the football side of things. Yeah. Um, that his recruiting office is in put in place, that that's smooth, that he's got to deal with, you know, personnel. He's got to deal with this and that, but he doesn't have to worry about what is my, why is my facility behind here? Why is this happening here? And that term Steve mentioned in an article um, in one of those of what he was leaving in Peyton that like, becoming an athletic director and being involved in athletic director role is something that he's always wanted to do. It was one of his dreams. So again, that's a joke. This is Joe C. Just as a joke is the Glion hire with Brent Venable saying, please do this probably. Um, And Josie's giving him a shot in an athletic director role for a uh, former construction worker. I don't think this guy's got any athletic director, any athletic department background, by the way. I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of what that what Joe was saying when I was interviewing him about. It. He's like, he's just a guy who can just talk to you, <laughs> you know. And, and if you can find someone like that, he's talked about finding people who can communicate. From, I mean, he, he can talk to anybody. He can talk to a frontline person to an you know executive officer or CEO and still be heard and communicated clearly and effectively across the board. That may sound easy, and there's probably a lot of people listening to me right now thinking, oh, yeah, I can just do that. I can talk to anybody. It's very, very difficult to be smooth transitioning from circle to circle and still maintain who you are and still be able to communi- communicate effectively to everyone in each individual of those different like stratospheres. So this is a dude, as you said, this is going to allow Brent Venables to be a football coach, and Turnip Seed is going to be allowed to kind of run the guts of the program, which – Maybe that's what it seems weird that Lincoln was saying I had too much stuff to do when he's saying I want to do everything. So uh, uh, it, how OU has structured this does seem how OU kind of historically structures stuff. Not one person, uh, you know, to quote Kanye, not one man should have all that power. Um, so it's that type of thing kind of going on here too, of building out processes, building out the program. Um, you don't want things to get too skinny in the org chart. Everything is flowing straight up. You want it to be more of a, a giant pyramid, and it seems to be that's where OU's going. So OU's one of the most stable programs in college football history, and it seems to be just becoming stronger and more stable. 
Yeah. And to your point, you just said a second ago, like he is welcoming like thir- turnip seeds, welcoming himself into the Oklahoma mafia. Like he's going to have to go in there and win some wars, babe. He's going to have to go walk into Josie's office and put his stuff on the table to get some stuff done. Like that's going to have to happen. So props to him. Good luck. Good luck with both of those guys <laughs> and having a working relationship. Anyways. All right. Recruiting, 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 recruiting. It is. I'm just going to say this. I'm unprepared for tomorrow. Is that fair? Is that okay? Am I, am I off the leash? No, I think you're fine. I mean, I think everyone's kind of walked themselves into like, Oh, we're going to get, we're going to get the Campbell kid. We're going to get all these other guys. We're going to get the, you know, the, the, the Kansas kid. And it's like, we'll just calm down. It's probably not going to be that way. It might be that way, but it probably won't be. <laughs> we got people talking about there's a big there's a big name surprise that's going to happen tomorrow. That's going to sit down the middle of the defensive line. Hold on, no one's saying who it might be. So I think people are just kind of. I think what's going to happen is OU is going to sign the three to four dudes they've already that we publicly kind of know they're going to sign, and then that's going to be that, and then they're going to pick up whatever slacks they can on on in February, but. The OU Twitter sphere is trying to manifest some big news for tomorrow. I mean, I bet if I get on Twitter right now, there's probably a, a Twitter space of like 5,000 people talking about smokers or something. But it, it's, I, it's, man, people those, are just trying to manifest, dude. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. Like, why, if you notice, George and I did it that one night. And after that, I yeah, we, we were like, no, nah, like that second time we were good. Anyways, it's been... <laughs> It's been a it's been a good 24 hours for Oklahoma. Nick Evers, four-star quarterback, committed to Florida um, from Flower Mound. He is heading to Norman to play for Jeff Webby. Uh, Jaden Gibson, a receiver from uh, West Orange Beach, uh, I believe Central Florida is where he's located at. Maybe I'm. Tell me that man's measurements. Tell me that man's measurements. He is six five. Six. Five, a hundred and like 75, 180 pounds. We'll dive OU into had, more. OU has not had that type of dude on the, on the field in a long time. I mean, that six, five wide receiver at OU. That's wild. So just a blast from the past year, Oklahoma hasn't landed two receivers listed on their recruiting profiles at six, four taller since AD Miller and Dahu green in 2014. Or in 2015, Leak and Riley's transition class. Uh, Jay Norvell landed Jeffrey Mead and Dallas Todd, the class prior. So those are the last two times, babe. Yeah, I mean, hopefully these guys are, act- you know, this one's actually good. I mean, that's that's, that's so People there. took that tweet as me, like, being negative. More than anything, I just wanted to say those names because I those are names that we mentioned for, like, years and years and years, even if they didn't pan out, just because Dahu everybody was so – panned in- out somewhere else. Like six years Dahu, down the road, became, he was like 25. Everyone has a different different timeline that they have to work through. We have everyone's on their own journey about where if they're. If I was end playing up. 19 year olds and How I was 20, I would be fine. You be you fine. think so right now? You think so yeah. right now? You could walk out there, Mister. I no. kicked a can or whatever. Come on. <laughs> no, I got I got no, I got no hope, dude. My knee is fucking dying. Pardon my French there, Matt. Beep that f bomb out. Anyways, um, it's uh, it's been an interesting 24 hours. I think it's something that Oklahoma needed. I'm going to say that first. They need a little bit of momentum. Kobe McKenzie also flips back from Texas over the last 48 hours. It's been a uh, good – But who is he bringing with him? Keegan, guys, who is he bringing with him? Guys, again, I have no idea. For, uh, one, I have no <laughs> idea because i got no one up at OU that I can talk to. Um, that's going to have to be figured out here soon. Um, and two – Clearly, there is a lot of misinformation coming out of Norman. So I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna hold my ground here, Peyton. Uh, we have not, we have not written anything in the last, what, really inside note wise in the last 96 hours, last five, six, seven days. Um, oh, I yeah. started, no. I, I started noticing some trends out there, Peyton, about some information I had been getting, and I was like, I'm, I'm good. I don't believe what's coming to me. So with that being said, uh, let's dive into kind of what they have remaining, what could potentially come. Okay. Javante Barnes announced running back out of Desert Pines, Nevada, a guy that Lincoln Riley was recruiting, but it was a DeMarco Murray recruit. Uh, He has announced that he won't be signing until the uh, second signing day. 
or at least announcing at the Under Armour All-American game or whatever All-American game he's in. Devin Campbell, the five-star offensive lineman from Bowie, Texas. You been to Bowie? I have not, no. Dude, they've got this badass, like, knife out in the middle of town. Huge knife, right? I believe, if I if I remember correctly, people listen to this. They at least have like, a massive statue when you drive through town. It's pretty cool. Anyways, he's uh, delaying to National Designing Day, too, as well. We'll touch on why in just a second. Two other names, Alton Tarber commits today, um, and then Ahmad Moten, another defensive lineman from the state of Florida, taking a visit to Iowa State, defensive tackle, big body, mm-hmm. six one and a half, six foot one, six foot, six foot one, six foot one and a half, 300 pounder. Um, I like that. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to tell you why I like the two defensive tackles they've gone after after we're done because I may get sued if I don't. So yeah. the only well, other name. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what you like. Tell me, tell me what you um, like. Well, uh, so <laughs> the last thing before I throw it back to you, Jared Canick, linebacker from Kansas. Yeah. Man, if he doesn't sign tomorrow, he's got to be heading to Oklahoma, right? I, I think that's the idea. I mean, for him personally, I mean, you committed to Brent <laughs> basically for, you know, at the program of Clemson, if, Oh, you can just, if he can just hold on, and, I, and, you know, there's been some talk of Brent's not recruiting him really hard because he, you know, made some assurances to Clemson. He wouldn't be going after their guys maybe or something like that. You know, it, it, it got some OU fans kind of riled up a little bit. But it's like, hey, well, if you don't like Lincoln doing it, then why do you want your guy to do it? I mean, you got to do it or just be super hypocritical and be happy about it. <laughs> but if he can make it – if he doesn't sign tomorrow – then I think Brent puts the full court press on him at that point in time. It's like, Hey, it's fair game. Now he's got a full, you know, two months more to figure this out. So uh, that's the hope. I mean, I think maybe that, that would be the only big splash tomorrow that if that were to happen, but for him not to publicly, cause he's not even, de- is he, he's decommitted, right? No, no, okay. he is not for him not to be publicly decommitted. That would be a huge splash to be honest with you. Um, Clemson does not lose commitments very often i think they've lost like three this year and they'd only lost two in the three years prior to that um but if he doesn't sign i think that's really positive for ou moving forward and that's what i'm i'm really hoping for because i the dude's big he's, he's already about as big as he'd need to be to a certain degree in a in a, a brent linebacker role and the speed he brings i mean he's if things translate the way they should translate, I mean, he's running like a four-four at the linebacker position. Yeah, and I mean, let me cut you off. They let, throw me, on him. let me cut you off. I think cut I said me. this earlier. Cut I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hype this kid up because he more than I should. Um, I just him. he can run real fast. <laughs> Man, I when OU offered him or was going to last summer, or I thought something happened maybe or whatever, and his name was coming up. I'm like, that's the guy. Like, if they're going to go get someone that's underrated that is going to grow into something, it's him. He's mm-hmm. really good. Like, yeah. really, 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 really good. And so we'll, we'll see. I'm, I, if they can do it, I know, again, I have some tweets out there about recruiting and coaching carousel and this and that, and I stick by that. I believe it. I truly do. That's my inner belief. Those are some of those things that I just don't budge from. But at the same time, Peyton, man – would you look at the linebacker room? You look, Danny Sutton's probably gone after a couple years. Shane Witters yep. already a couple years in Norman. Some of these guys that are up and coming, you know, Kip Lewis coming in, you know, Kobe McKenzie coming in. You know, you don't want to guarantee, you know, you don't want to guarantee a hundred percent hit right there because it's just that's not it's not fair um, to no. these these coaches. But you get this canic kid. I <laughs> because like he can play Mike Payton. Mm-hmm. But if someone gets hurt, he can play that Isaiah Simmons position. Like he, he can do whatever he wants. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the kind of. I didn't even imagine him at Mike to begin with. I just thought he'd be that Isaiah, the Isaiah Simmons position from day one. I mean, with that type of speed and everything. But like you said, we're, we're totally gassing up some kid who may just sign with Clemson tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how much time we want to waste on uh, throwing, you know, clutching our pearls when it comes to comes to recruiting for someone who's not even decommitted yet. Gentry Williams will not sign tomorrow. Um, We'll see how that pans out. I'm going to say something here 
Uh, Matt's heard me say this. I haven't said this on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. He's an elite athlete from Tulsa. I didn't think he was the best player in their defense. And I have a little bit of knowledge to that. Micah T's kids, he's, that's the kid. Yeah. He's, I, I hope Oklahoma did their, Brent Venables has already called up to Booker T and said, we want that kid. Yeah. Peyton, he is a, he is a missile. He's fast. He's physical. Gentry's kind of that track star, five-star guy, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a little, un, there's some discipline issues he's got. There's some, not off the field stuff, but I'm talking on the field, like biting on routes and stuff, assignments, biting on routes, um, trying to be too, letting his natural instincts, like using those too much, right. Instead mm-hmm. of doing what he's coached to do and some of those things. So, and I don't know if Gentry's necessarily a Jerry Schmidt, Brent Venables guy. If you under, if you pick up, you know what I'm putting yeah. down. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, that's a kid that he's an elite athlete. It'd be great for Oklahoma. If he wants to buy into the system at Oklahoma, he could be special. Um, no doubt about it in my mind. He's got a chance to be really, really good. Um, Missouri, Arkansas, USC. So we'll see what how that kind of plays out throughout the second signing day. Um, but like I said, if if they can land the Mike Atis kid and they go one for two in that deal, that's not bad. Um, it's honestly not a bad trade. Or if you know you want both, but at the same time, if you only can get one, I think you'd rather have the T's kid in 23. So we'll see what kind of happens there. Peyton, I believe every other kid is expected to sign tomorrow. Xavion Bryce actually paused real quick. We'll be choosing between Texas and Oklahoma. Doesn't, based off what I've read, I don't know anything here. I'm mm-hmm. just using based off what I've read um, from Texas sites most mostly. Um, I don't know if that's going to go well for Oklahoma tomorrow. We're talking about a, a big athlete, long Defensive back kind of fits the Venables mold a little bit. We talked about this on the last podcast. It's funny. Alex Grinch recruited to in a, a personnel and a body type that Brent Venables covets as well. So um, most of the guys that are staying over that Grinch has recruited fit what Venables wants to do. Uh, Jane Rowe, a guy, you know, we mentioned, we will talk about him more on Thursday, how he fits mm-hmm. into what Brent Venables does. That should be the most excited player amongst this entire class. I said that last week. Um, Everybody else besides Bryce and Williams should sign tomorrow. So 14 of the 16 guys. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, you're going to pick up some guys. Maybe you get a couple of dudes haven't, who haven't, you know, committed yet. Uh, surely OU has a couple of dudes in the pocket just to say, hey, let's spice it up a little bit. But I'm totally fine. I mentioned it before. I mentioned it again. I'm totally fine with this class being as big as it needs to be. Like you don't need to go chase a bunch of other good dudes just for rankings and stuff like that. Brent doesn't seem to be that type of guy in the first place. And really the Bryce kid, I mean, if you look at it just from um, from a rating standpoint, and I know that's not everything, but when it comes to He's pretty good. college football fandom, though, it means everything. <laughs> you need to be able to point at like AM has me prepared. I've been watching how that how they're uh, how their fan base reacts to each other, reacts to other teams and stuff on Twitter. So I'm like, okay, I, I kind of know what I need to do now. You got to make up fake things to say you're better at. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's, he's towards the bottom of that. I mean, really wouldn't impact the recruiting class all that much. Um, it would probably still hold a ranking to a certain degree, stay in that top 15 range. Obviously you want to hold on to these guys. You've already built relationships with them. You want to hold on to anybody you've had a relationship for that long and you've built with that, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not going to worry. I'm not going to lose my mind over a three-star cornerback that, oh, you should be able to get somewhere else in the next coming months or through a portal. I mean, uh, Gentry, I, I know you talked about some other guy. Uh, losing Gentry would suck just optically. Yep. You has to yep. show it can pull in five-star defensive players, uh, has to show it can do it. It has to lock down its five-star um, defensive back. You know, they can't keep losing these kids to out-of-state schools. They just can't, especially if OU wants to succeed kind of moving forward. So um, that one has to happen. Even if Prince, like, uh, he's not going to be the best fit, I don't care. That one has to happen. That's one of the few, like, do it for the eyeballs that uh, I, I would kind of push back on. As I mentioned, Javante Barnes, a uh, guy that's going to sign or at least announce here, in, here at the end, uh, or at 
at his All-America game, whichever game he's in, or on National Signing Day 2, he will sign. That's a guy Oklahoma will be involved with. Devin Campbell, um, which is a great transition. So let's start there. Devin Campbell, a guy that will be choosing between Oklahoma and Texas at the end of the day. Um, Peyton, there's been a, a big oh hoopla. I guess I'll say that hoopla, Ooh, on, hoopla, hoopla on on the last forty eight to seventy two hours with what Texas has done on the offensive line. Okay, let's just get this ahead of let's get this out there. Yeah, if Mario Cristobal doesn't leave Oregon, this never happens. These kids picked Oregon over Texas, so yeah. like. Yes, they're going to get $50,000 from the Pancake Factory to go show up at charity events. I also messed that up. Yes, these kids. So the donors are getting their taxes, tax write-offs by paying yes. players to go to charities. That's yes. that's what I messed yes. up. Um, yeah. But these kids were going to go to Texas anyways. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's hard to, because like, I don't want to be the well actually guy in this one because there's so much hatred back and forth about what's going on with the NIL at Texas. But like, I don't think money played a factor into those kids going there. And I don't think it will for Devin Campbell either. Yeah. I mean, every school is going to have something about that way, but just as OU in the past, like they had Orlando Brown just fall into their laps. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, This time just happened to be Texas. They get these, uh, you know, what is this, a five-star uh, offensive tackle there? Uh, so, I mean, it's going to happen. They lucked out, like you said, b- b- from situations that they had no control over. Somebody else, some something else happened, and the butterfly effect, they, they got the bonus for it. It's still, what am I trying to say here? The hit rate of offensive linemen, just because they signed these guys, these two recent ones, doesn't mean that they're going to be good. Now, they very well could be, uh, but – if you follow some, some like I'll shout out Ian. I think Ian's, if this one's public, I apologize, Ian, if you're going to listen to this. I think he's kind of a nerd and kind of annoying when, about his, his Texas and Michigan takes. But he does have some good stuff when he says, like, look at how Michigan built their offensive line. Mainly three stars, low four stars, and they're able to crush people. Look how Georgia's offensive line's built. I mean, you if you don't just sign a bunch of five-star offensive linemen and trot them out there, even when OU was winning Joe, uh, Joe, uh, what, what's the offensive lineman? Joe uh, Moore award. award. Yeah. That Joe Moore award. It wasn't like they're a bunch of five stars. It was three stars and four stars. I mean, offensive linemen grow and it's really hard to predict if they're going to keep that flexibility as they add that weight, as they start moving stuff around, it's just hard to predict that stuff. But like I just said, learning from the SEC fan bases, if I was a Texas fan right now, I'd be tweeting like mad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a different scoreboard uh, out there on, on the Twitter streets. So uh, be prepared to get to be big mad tomorrow if OU doesn't pull some stuff off when it comes to Texas fans talking about how great their recruiting class is. Uh, but just roll with the bunches. OU is going to be fine. It's the best offensive line class that they've signed since 2009. Got to get that out there. It's, I will say, like, amongst anything, they're going to play. They have to play Alabama next year, Peyton, and OU Texas in the same year. They're going to get their depth. We've seen what happens. <laughs> like, like I have my expectations, and I've said this from day one. Year one, thought their defense had some nice pieces that were going to graduate. They're going to lose those pieces. That didn't go well. They go five and seven last year. Their defense is really bad. Um, they obviously now have a top five recruiting class, more than likely going to finish with the top five recruiting class. Um, but it's usually built through skill guys and yeah. fluff, secondary and wide receivers and running backs. Now they've got the quarterback. Now they got the offensive line. I'm not going to pull a red dirt sport. I'm not going to say like, oh, there's no way that they could screw this up and like try to jinx it. But like, you've only got a hit on 60% of these guys and like, You've got Kelvin Banks. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a guarantee guy, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, he's yeah. fantastic. He he can bend. He's super athletic for his size at 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, the Cam Williams guy needs some time um, training. He's like 6'6", six, six, 360. Um, but they, again, Cole Hudson, a guy that 
Okay, I'm going to touch on the text message I just got in here in just a second. Um, <laughs> okay, I got to touch on it right now since it's a matter of fact. Okay, have you seen the USC video on Twitter? Oh, the uh, yeah, I, I've seen I've seen the one where there's a different one. I want to I'm going to mention first. I've seen the one where he's at the basketball game, and I've seen the the, the recruiting video where they just kind of did a very low rent, low budget version of. OU's National Science Day video from two years ago, I think. Yes. But for them to be in the middle of LA and can't find a guy who knows how to run a steady camera is just wild <laughs> to, uh, to, to me. Or find a guy who can come up with an original idea for this stuff is, is kind of crazy. Okay, okay, okay. I got to come clean. So obviously, uh, friend of the podcast, Zach Heffley, I th- was pretty adamant. I was sure that he may have been asked to help out there out at USC within the mix of the transition. So I thought he had made it the video. I got a text back just a second ago. Sorry. That's why I was stuttering. Um, No, he did not make it. He was not a part of this video. Matt. I see you're endlessly waiting to say something here. I just don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. I guess I don't I, know. I guess replay the hits. I guess I, I don't know. No, Zach did yeah. not make this video. No, I can confirm that. That's what I'm saying. Lincoln is probably like, hey, you know, we had a really great idea in 19, and I know that script. I know that script like the back of my hand. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> he's gonna good. At, he's this. good at memorizing scripts. He's exactly. really good at it. Yeah, I mean, he only had this. I mean, let's just let's just be real. There's not a lot of time there. He's just got there. They needed to do something. They USC historically is a madhouse when it comes to their athletic department. He just probably did, but you just guys said he walked in and went, "Oh man, we got to do something in a day." Okay, let's just do this thing I did last time, but we're not going to do airplanes and shit. <laughs> you know, just like do the car, drive to LA, and we're good to go. I mean, honestly, that's that's. It, it was okay. It was shot. All right. The, the little insider baseball, I didn't like the, the mask that they did for the thing being lifted and, and then you reveal Lincoln again, that type of stuff is usually a little sophomoric uh, when it comes down to editing and sort of post-production stuff. Uh, but it, it's just a complete rerun of stuff. It, I think we're going to see more and more of Lincoln Riley just rerunning stuff. Um, I mean, coaches just are who they are. I mean, he's going to be only- doing the only difference is they have thing palm trees that's it those are cool palm trees they got palm trees in the video <laughs> I, I mean i'm not gonna lie guys i was sitting here like of the of the mindset until i got that text back of oh no like i gotta like i can't i can't hate on zach out in public for that but yeah i was yeah he says they copied him That's the gig. I don't know if y'all have ever heard my laugh like that before, but that's the gig. <laughs> you make something so cool, funny. people copy you. If that's they turned that, if they sent that video in to turn it in.com, <laughs> what's the percentage? <laughs> what's the percentage of plagiarism? Pretty like 75, 80%. It's pretty close. I haven't watched it yet, but based off what I've seen, it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's close. I mean. For, for 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 your friend, I mean, flattery, obviously, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So, I mean, you can take it that way and, and move on that way. So, what are you going to do? It's it's the game. I just thought he had made it, and I was about to have to go on the social media. Don't crush and, him. And go be like, hey, hey. No, I'm kidding. Um, That actually may help Oklahoma out, because I'm sure he may want to help Oklahoma more now than he did uh, an hour ago. Anyways. Uh, do we need to finish anything on the Texas offensive line class? I think we covered it. Like it is, it is different before we get out of here. It, it's, it's a different feel. Um, it's still the same old Texas until things change um, down there. They still got some holes, Peyton linebacker. They signed a couple got Trevor Johnson. Um, that's a guy that I have watched in the past. He's a guy that I, Oklahoma state was after. I'm just going to say this whenever Oklahoma state was after him, I was like, okay, Oklahoma state found another freaking linebacker that can play. <laughs> um, so he's a pretty yeah. good, pl- he's a pretty good player. Um, but they still have some holes in the secondary as we found out though. We kind of knew that 
Uh, defensive line-wise, they've got a couple good players. Chris Ross, I know he's only a three-star now. He's still a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeray Bledsoe is a guy that Oklahoma and Calvin Thibodeau were after. He's a pretty good player. We'll see. Um, we'll spend a lot more time Thursday on the uh, National Sign Day recap podcast. We, I am getting some feedback here. I think it's my internet connection for some reason up at the uh, studio. So we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. But, Matt, thanks for, uh, thanks for getting the uh, intro done during your time. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Did that. Got a little interview that, uh, that Peyton did. Got that up and ready, scheduled. Scheduled to go out. So keep, be on the lookout for that. Sweet. And, and uh, Peyton Guthrie got a cool interview from Joseph Goodman Jr. of Alabama.com, mm-hmm. a guy that I've followed for quite a while. We've been following each other since this college football season started. I've enjoyed his work. Um, it's definitely columnist work. Uh, yes. but it's, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different taste than what we're used to in here in Oklahoma. Trammell will go after next sometimes, but not like this cat will with either Auburn or Bama. So, yeah. um, credit to him. Uh, he's a good guy. It'll be a really good listen. Talking about Thad Turnipseed, his role at Alabama, uh, Brent Venables and the opportunity that he had at Auburn. So, uh, Peyton dove into all of that with him. That'll be out Sunday. That'll be a public pod for you guys. We're going to try to get on schedule here. Blame it on me. I uh, realized I had a Christmas party I had to go to Sunday night. I'm sorry, Peyton. Oh, no, it's fine. I was going to tell everyone we're I'll be doing some more interview uh, style podcasts. I've got some more lined up just to give us some flexibility during the uh, holiday times. I mean, I know you, everyone here listening is going to be traveling. They've got family stuff. They have to get ready. They'll be shopping we're, you know, we've got the same things to do. So uh, this week and next week, I'm recording some stuff we can put in the bank. Uh, there'll be a little more interview style podcast coming your way uh, during these holiday months, uh, holiday month, uh, uh, so that we can kind of get some stuff taken care of. And, you know, just we want to keep the consistent content coming out. We don't want to skip shows because we had something coming up or, you know, uh, we have uh, like I have to go to Hugo or I might have to go down to Dallas to, for family, stuff like that. I don't want to leave these guys in, in a lurch. So trying to put some stuff in the bank. So you guys can have something to listen to on your commute to your families. And then uh, also, you know, we can stay interacting with everybody uh, the best way we can, but I do want to toss it, Matt, you got 20 seconds. Explain to me why OU basketball isn't ranked. I have no idea. No okay. clue. I love that. I love that's your college basketball. Exactly. I love this team, man. They're awesome. They're winning games that they shouldn't. But I do think with this team that they will probably lose some games they shouldn't in conference. But that's the that's the ebbs and flows, man. This is the Porter Moser. This is the this is the uh, transition year. I'm looking forward to it, man. Awesome. Well, that's been your uh, college OU college basketball. Thirty seconds. Also, play more Tune in next week. <laughs> play more of the pride of Kingfisher. Play more Bijan Cortez. That guy can play. All right, Kingfisher County represent Cash and football state champs back to back. We're out of here on that, boys. Um, Chisholm Hollins, Marlowe Outlaws won over the weekend as well. Shout out to him. But it was a, it was a fun weekend. I had an interesting Sunday morning. Um, I'm alive. Not nearly as bad as some of the uh, other adventures I've had, boys. So I'll just say that. Anyways, for Through the Keyhole, for Peyton Guthrie, for Matt Burton, for I, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. You'll hear from Peyton on Sunday. Next time people hear us, it'll be on our Patreon page patreon.com slash through the keyhole go to anytime fitness 519 northwest 23rd street Peyton get us out of here boomer